This is episode 133 with Jake Ehrenskind. Welcome to the Pursuit of Happiness podcast. I am your host, Ryan McGuire. And if you are in pursuit of your own happiness, this is the podcast for you. Join me along my own journey in finding happiness as I cover topics such as health, wellness, mindset, travel, adventure, dating, relationships, and so much more as I interview some of the most passionate and successful people in the world. And today I welcome you to Jake Ehrenskind, who is passionate and who is successful as CEO and co-founder of Pepper the App. And if you haven't heard of this app, it's a community of 500,000 plus home cooks sharing and discovering recipes from around the world. This is such an amazing idea that Jake has developed and launched just a few years ago. And if you think about it, not much brings the world together like food. I don't know about you, but when I travel and go to different places around the world, I can't wait to immerse myself in their culture and try their foods. So with Pepper the app, you can literally share and look up ingredients and recipes from around the world, from some of your favorite places you visited or places you have yet to visit, but want to get a little taste of their culture. This is also a great way to share some of your favorite home-cooked recipes. And we also talk about nostalgia growing up, some of grandma's favorite home-cooked recipes. I know that means a lot to me. It means a lot to Jake. So we talk about his childhood and his journey growing up and how food has played such an important role to him, his family, and his culture. And what's great about this is he's not even a chef. He just wanted a way to bring the community and the world together based around food, and it's such a wonderful idea. It's so wonderful. He was featured on Gordon Ramsay's Food Star, so of course I had to ask to go behind the scenes of what it was like to film for the show and how it was to meet the man himself, Gordon Ramsay. It's not every day you get to speak to a CEO and co-founder in their mid-20s, so of course I had to ask about their journey of success, how they got here, highlights, and even lowlights. If you've listened to my podcast before, you know I'm all about the journey and the hard work it takes to succeed. So here we go. Here is my conversation with Jake Arenskind. Jake, great meeting you. Appreciate you joining the podcast. My good friend, Brian, whose podcast you were on, reached out to me and he said, hey, you got to get Jake on your podcast. So I started doing some research on you and I appreciate you accepting the invite. I'm really excited to have you here today. How's it going? Oh, of course. Thank you so much for the opportunity. I, uh, I had a great time chatting with Brian and he spoke very highly of yourself and your podcast. So just grateful to uh, chat with your audience members and get a little bit more about our story. Awesome. Yeah, I'm super excited. You're a CEO. How does that sound to say a CEO? That's that's pretty incredible, right? It feels pretty unbelievable. You know, I think that for me, there was a moment where I went from being a founder to a CEO. I think that was when, you know, uh, the, the platform that we were building finally was out and there were people talking about it without me having to go down the street and pitch them on the app myself. And so um, to feel like I've earned my title of CEO is something I'm, I'm very proud of and something that I, I definitely try my best not to take for granted. 
Congratulations. That's pretty awesome. And also congratulations too. We're going to get right, right to it. Um, Gordon Ramsay, you were on his show, huh? Uh, how did, how in the world did that go? <laughs> I was a Gordon Ramsay TV show contestant. That is, that actually sounds even crazier than saying I'm CEO. <laughs> <laughs> um, it all came about one day. I was just, I was scrolling through my Instagram and for some reason, you know, I had, a, I had a DM of some sort and I went to it and I noticed I had uh, not just a DM, but actually inside my DMs a request, if anyone's familiar with that process. And so I clicked requests, which is where your spam's supposed to go. Mm-hmm. And I saw a request of a DM from an individual um, that wrote a lot. So, you know, I was like, what's going on here? It definitely looks like what I would expect spam would look like. And I started reading and kind of, you know, skim through the words. And I just see like Gordon Ramsay new show. And I'm like, what's going on here? Start at the beginning, finally actually take the message seriously. And it's an individual who says that they are casting director asking, you know, about Gordon Ramsay's new show and thinks that, you know, myself and and Pepper would be a great fit. Um, I then obviously did not believe it, but I went and searched uh, their name on Google and found their, uh, their IMDb. And it was at that moment that I raced back to my messages, immediately responded to the casting director, proved to be real, hopped on a phone with them. And one thing led to the next. They, to the best of my knowledge, expedited my interview process, chatted with them December of 2021. So wow. shockingly enough, just you know, a couple months after we launched and uh, went through rounds and rounds of interviews, talking to the story people, the legal people. I sent in 30 pictures of my wardrobe just to make sure it'd be okay on TV and ultimately got flown out to LA and went through a couple more last uh, screenings. So, you know, we, we cooked in the MasterChef kitchen, we built a bunk bed and I got thrown so far under the bus when with uh, the rule, the, the instructions that supposedly I had missed. Um, but I guess that they liked the way that I worked with, with the other contestants. And ultimately I was one of 15, uh, to be casted on the first season of Gordon Ramsay's food stars. <laughs> wow. That's absolutely incredible. We're going to get to your app pepper and your story here in just a moment, but I want to get uh, somewhat of a, a backstory of how it was to work with Gordon Ramsay himself and to be on his show. How was, how was that? Yeah, I mean, first and foremost, Gordon is larger than life. Literally. I mean, physically, he is like the largest human I've ever seen. He's and that big? I had no idea. I, I think he's like maybe like 6'2", six, 6'4", six, something like that. But okay. it's more so just the scale of his body. I, you know, I'm a, I'm a product guy. I'm a designer. And if anyone knows when you hold down shift and everything just scales proportionally, it's like someone did that to a, a normal person. And now you just <laughs> see Gordon who's like – it's not just his height. Like he's just a super sized human, okay. um, but he's unbelievable. He's, he's such an incredible presence in the room. And, you know, for me, I think what, what became the most clear when I was on set was, um, you know, people always ask me like, how is Gordon in person? Like, is he mean or is he nice? Like, does he really yell at you? He does do all of those things. You know, he yells at you. <laughs> he scares you without even saying things just because of his presence. Um, I forgot how to speak English in a couple of those scenes. Um, but ultimately, I think it's his eyes that really spoke the most to me. And it's, you know, he could be cursing at me, which he did a couple times. But I never felt that he was actually mad. Um, 
because it's a show, right? You know, you, you, you act in certain ways. But that being said, like rewatching the show again, I saw a bunch of times where he was pissed. And I'm so happy that I was not on the receiving end of it. Like I felt like our relationship was pretty cordial. Um, but it was it was unbelievable to be in the same room as him. He's one of the most accomplished individuals, I believe, in, in, in the world. And in, in the world of food, he, you know, might just be right at the top. So that was an amazing experience. What was like the main thing you would say you learned from Gordon Ramsay himself or just being around Gordon? You know, I think there's there's two ways that I could answer that question. And I, I will use the time to answer both. Um, Gordon himself told me that when you start something, you have to finish it. And so I've made sure that I will never make that mistake again. Um, we had a pitch competition where I had something the same night and I ended up canceling that so that I could participate and not just allow my co-founder to go on his own. Because if I'm going to start a company, then, you know, the opportunity I have to go and pitch it, I'm going to make sure that I'm there for it. Um, mm -hmm. So I've definitely taken that advice closely to heart. I think for me, a personal learning that wasn't just kind of handed to me, um, it is not as straightforward. You know, I think, for myself, I was 25 at the time. I'm 26 now. Um, I literally run a social media app, so I'm very involved in social media, even though I don't particularly want to be all the time. My presence now is very public. You can find a lot about me on the internet. Um, as a 26-year-old, you know, as living here in New York, I'm constantly under the lights. I definitely try to curate my image. I try to sculpt it in ways that it shows the things that I want you to see and you don't always see the things that I don't want you to see. I mean, I am a, I'm a normal person for all intents and purposes. And I imagine there's a lot of people who do the exact same thing. I mean, mm -hmm. everyone says, you know, don't, don't look at what you, you know, don't put too much weight behind what you see on Instagram. And I'm, I'm confident that I'm the same way, but rewatching the show, I have absolutely no say on what is put there. I can't say what angle to take, of how I look. I can't even pick my clothes. I don't get to pick which lines are used. And they showed a lot of what I did, but they cut out some of the things that I was most proud of, which was the most upsetting for me. And I think, and obviously, you know, trying to embarrass me as much as I can to validate why I, why, you know, the decision was made ultimately in my conclusion. Um, but I think for me, what I learned was how liberating it was and how much I shouldn't put that weight behind it because to have no control on your image and your profile was such an amazing experience because it was just like, I'm just going to be me and enjoy and live. And, you know, there are people in my DMs saying, this was the smartest idea ever talking about the wine that I branded. And I had other people saying, you know, you're an idiot. How do you not know what a noun is? Let me try to explain it to you and paste the definition here. And you know what, like, I'm, I'm here for all of it. And it was really, it was really liberating is the word that I keep coming back to. And so that experience really, I think, just broke down some of those sculpted walls that I'd put up and let me just enjoy life a little more. That's really interesting. <clears throat> I, I had no expectations with that answer, but I was expecting that. That's really cool. I, I can appreciate that response. Um, I know we've talked about your time on the TV show. I want to give people a little background of Pepper, the app real quick, and then we'll kind of get your backstory a little bit. So please, Pepper, I mean, that, what a great idea for an app, for real. And I'm somebody that married somebody a year ago that cooking is such a big part of her life with uh, her and her family. She loves to cook. She loves to look at, at ingredients. We had cookbooks all over the counter and stuff. So 
I want to, I want to give you a moment to share what Pepper the app is and we'll kind of get your backstory. Of course. And yeah, let me just echo that, that same feeling. I grew up in an Italian Israeli household. Wow. So, I, know, I got the food, Italian part in my house. I don't have. Yeah. Either, so. <laughs> so food is very, very much so a part of my childhood, my upbringing, you know, every part of my relationship with the people around me. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's really where the idea for pepper came from. It's that, you know, food is such a social connector. It's a love language. It's a cultural presentation. It's, it's so many things. It's, it's something in the world that every person has a relationship with. And those relationships that every person has, I mean, you can count those literally on one hand. And we really felt like that relationship was just inadequately being supported and even more specifically how you'd cook. So it was during the pandemic that, you know, we saw two trends pop up, which was people were cooking more naturally. You know, we were all in our homes. I think every single person one way or another, either, made their own or tasted their friend's sourdough bread starter. Um, but it was also followed by the fact that everyone wanted to engage in online social communities more. And so you have yeah. this intersection of two new trends. The middle of it is socializing online around cooking. And, you know, I was cooking, but I was still waking up every day being like, what am I going to cook tonight? Like these recipes don't look like I can make them. You know, these recipes don't look that great. Like, I'm not really sure what I'm going to do here. But my friends would share things and then I'd be like, whoa, this looks amazing. Let me try it. And it would turn out amazing. And so uh, at the time, my soon to be at the time co-founder, Matt Skolnick, um, we had this idea of, you know, let's just build a place that we can all share recipes that we want to make with each other. And that, you know, one thing led to the next, built out this first version, started sharing pictures. And it was just like, hey, this solves a need for all of us. I bet it would probably solve a need for a lot of other people. You know, what if there was a place that we could all come together, the community of home cooks, the 99%, the ones who cook something. And you know what? It very well may taste a lot better than it looks, but that's okay. Like we are here to make you feel comfortable. And, you know, we ended up putting one foot in front of the other and uh, launching a social media platform for cooking in September of 2021. So a place to log your own personal recipes in your digital cookbook, a place to be inspired by recipes made by friends, family, and everyday home cooks, just like yourself. To date, we have over 60,000 unique recipes having been uploaded to the platform and really a place to just connect your experience and streamline it in the kitchen. You know, everyone we believe deserves a place to comfortably share and be inspired by the food they're making. And Pepper is built for exactly that. That's so cool. I I really appreciate that. I think I would have really liked this uh, a few years ago, but I would app- I appreciate even more now being married to somebody who loves to cook so much and is very thoughtful of everything they put in their food and um, the science behind it. I never appreciated the science behind so many ingredients like spices and just whatever she decides to mix and mash and all that stuff. She's like a chemist in the kitchen. So I have such a huge appreciation uh, for food and, and how it's made and constructed. And I know there's so many beautiful artists in the world that really enjoy their time in the kitchen. And I, I can imagine how useful this app is for so many people. And like you said, comfortable. I That word really stuck out to me because I made her dinner last night and I'm still slightly uncomfortable when I make her <laughs> dinner. And because 
it's like I'm painting in front of a castle. That's how I feel. <laughs> <laughs> so, so it's such a, it's such a great idea to have a community of people to kind of share the right, Hey, try this. Hey, have you ever tried that? People sharing their family recipes or the recipes from their culture and stuff like that. I want to dive in real quick. Uh, Cause I know you just said Israeli and Italian. Um, what have you learned or seen from people's interacting and like mixing of cultures and their food between the people in the community? Wow. I think that's, that's an incredible question. Um, I mean, I'm a product of, you know, some, some form of fusion. Uh, I'm fortunate enough to celebrate Christmas and Hanukkah in December. I actually have, uh, my birthday in December. Yeah. My birthday is also in December as well. It's usually right before, but sometimes sandwiched (laughs) in between. Um, and so I very much so personally in this very personal decision, I'm, I'm very excited about the idea of the mixing of cultures, um, the fusion of, you know, as many things you can put together as possible. Um, because I think that really expands your horizons. I think it expands the opportunities to you and, you know, I can walk in and, um, see a fried eggplant and feel, you know, Hey, that's my grandma's recipe right in front of me. And I feel that special love coming from it. Um, or I could walk down the street, have an Israeli man yelling at me to buy falafel with a can of Coke for a couple of dollars and feel at home. Um, and, and I think that's really special because no matter where I go, um, you know, the cultures that I have around me and that I've grown up in allow me to feel comfortable um, with a wide range of people and delicacies. And so I think we can do that with our food as well. You know, I've had um, <clears throat> relationships in my life, friends, family, something in between, um, where, you know, I'm exposed to new cultures. And a lot of that exposure comes through food, you know, whether it be a new recipe, whether it be uh, celebrating a holiday. And I think it kind of comes back to what I was mentioning earlier, which is food is the greatest connector of our world right and to everyone's a different thing like to you know someone you can you can see it uh in the book crying in h mart um for her relationship with her mom and she comes from you know a half uh korean household um and i believe her dad is american born in philly her relationship with her mom is solely through food And, you know, her mom can be screaming and yelling at her and she could be crying, but then she comes and brings her 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 favorite meal or, you know, they make kimchi together. And I think that's the way that I see food as being fostered in these different relationships that you can have. Um, And so, you know, whether it be the relationship you have uh, coming from a single culture or whether becoming coming through a fusion of them, um, I think that food is such a special way to kind of illustrate it and. I think you hit it on the head earlier. Like you have to be some kind of artist to get it right. Um, I went to a Japanese Italian fusion restaurant this past week with some friends here in New York and to sit and eat like uni linguini. It's like, Oh my God, (laughs) how are you matching these, these flavor profiles so perfectly? Um, But if you do it right, I think it can break any limit on how good something can taste because I'm a product of it and I seek it out anywhere I can. It reminds me of like music too, when genres kind of mix and mash together and you come up with beautiful music. Um, yeah. Do you have access to the recipes and like perhaps like what cultures or what recipes kind of seem to take off or do the best? I'm curious. I don't know if you have like numbers behind that. 
I can tell you some of our top trending recipes. Um, yeah, I'm curious. So we have some incredible creators on our platform that are centered around some specific cuisines. So for example, um, Brianna Stark is an amazing barbecue chef. She's so talented. So our first ever, we want to say like viral recipe was a white barbecue sauce. Wow. And it is beautiful. It is delicious. Um, and it constantly just pops up in my feed every so often, whether it's on Instagram or pepper itself. Uh, on top of it, we work with a creator named Brit and she often cooks like Cajun um, skewed recipes and they are so beautiful. I feel like every single day I'm opening up something new and it's like, can you really make that fusion? Um, can something really look that delicious? And, you know, I grew up, I, sorry, I went to college at Vanderbilt, so I ate a lot of barbecued, also Southern food. Mm -hmm. um, and so kind of the mix of both of their profiles has been exciting for me. But I had a brother who also went to Tulane. So, you know, to see any kind of like po' boys or crawfish YouTube or anything like that um, always looks amazing to me. Personally, I love, I love often Asian food and I specifically love Japanese so if I can find, that's why, first of all, this Japanese Italian place was uh, that's, that's my crazy. favorite in the world. But um, I try to, you know, mess around with like, if I can, a uh, spicy tuna crispy rice. I love a hand roll night. I've done Vietnamese spring rolls. Like those are oftentimes the things I look for. Um, and I'll play around with a little fusion here and there. You know, the other day, and this was actually on the show in episode one, I made Asian spaghetti meatballs. And so, you know, I made meatballs how I would, but instead of using like sweet, uh, onions. I used scallions to dice up into the meatballs. Um, then I cooked it with knife cut noodles instead of just pasta. Used some soy sauce and sesame oil in the in the pasta sauce. And I actually used my co-contestant Caroline Demore's um, pizza girl pasta sauce, which is amazing. And topped it all off with some, you know some sesame seeds, a little more sesame oil, um, and some some seaweed and uh, soft boiled egg. So just kind of like mixing cultures constantly just shows itself, not just in the platform itself, but also on my own profile. Um, and very much so try to, you know, support those who are interested in doing it even more. Yeah, that sounds delicious. And from my understanding, you weren't even much of a chef growing up, right? I mean, you you literally sound like a chef now, but you really don't have much of a cooking background, correct? Yeah. To be frank, like I don't have any cooking background. <laughs> I actually remember um, my senior year at Vanderbilt we moved off campus and all my friends are like, I can't wait to cook. Like we got this nice kitchen. And I remember I called up my dad and I'm like, dad, like, can I please just spend one more year on the meal plan? <laughs> and he's like, <laughs> he's like yeah, I totally, he's like, I totally, I totally get it. I mean, shout out to Vanderbilt. I thought that they had incredible food. Uh, I ate pho for almost every lunch. Oh um, yeah. And nice. I, lo I loved what they had. So they gave me a lot of reason to stay on the meal plan, but I think lately I've really tried to dive a little deeper into my own culinary roots, playing with, you know, the other, the other night we had a Shabbat dinner here on my rooftop and I made, uh, mildly cause there's only so much you could do, but you know, Jewish styled, uh, fried eggplant. Nice. Right. And so I took a little bit of my Italian roots, my grandma's eggplant parm recipe and try to mold it a little bit more into Shabbat. I, you know, added like some sesame seeds, which are very, uh, schnitzel-y of, uh, of, uh, an entree that you can have at Shabbat. Um, but you know, I don't have a cooking background. I think it's something that you learn as you go. It's something you can really fall in love with because it's, 
it's an art. Um, it's also a lot more cost effective as a founder, <laughs> especially when you're on a social cooking app. And beyond that, you know, I think you just learn. And so Pepper is a place to support the everyday home cook. Through my own experience using it, I have just, you know, gotten much, much better. Um, that's what happens when you when you share your activities with your friends. Like, not only do you inspire each other, but there's also a little bit of that competitive side of like, hey, Matt just posted a bacon, egg, and cheese. Like, I can make mine much better than that. And so you try to. That's, yeah, that's super true. I am thinking, I'm, I'm sitting here listening to you talk, and I think another thing food does, I think we kind of touched on it a little bit, is... It can, it can bring you back to specific places in life in your past or childhood um, to some of the best moments that you've ever had with people that are closest to you. I think nostalgia is like a word that comes to my mind. And I think you created a platform to allow people to share those memories with other people throughout the world and those special moments and now they can create those special moments with their recipes. And uh, I want I want to get more of, of your backstory, honestly, as far as like what those moments may have been like to you growing up uh, around food, because definitely like the holidays, like you said, Christmas and Hanukkah play a huge part, especially being Italian, you know, you got the big Christmas Eve dinner and whatnot. Um, so yeah, I, I would, I really want to get to know you a little more about like how food especially played such a huge part in your life growing up and perhaps now how this app can open even more doors for even more people. So for me, my relationship with food growing up, um, I feel like I was always very uh, excited about it. Um, I remember one time, like I had a sip of water and I was like, oh my God, like that hit so well. And my friend was just like, <laughs> My friend's just like, that is such a you comment. Like, that is ridiculous. <laughs> um, but I think you touched on it really well, which is that what Pepper allows you to do is basically bring to life forever um, generations of recipes and to take what, you know, your parents, your grandparents, your great-grandparents have, have made and passed it down. And I grew up on my softest brisket, which I actually still can't make, but I, I'm trying to learn. Um, her cauliflower pancakes, which are amazing, which I, I can make for myself. Um, you know, my dad has a spaghetti meatball that just, it's, it's so basic and so good. I literally had it this past weekend. Like I will never get over it and I will continue to make it. Or even, you know, my, my grandma's fried eggplant and, uh, eggplant Parmesan recipe. Like those are the things that I can taste and be like, wow, that brings me back to a moment. Um, it's very similar to listening to a song and saying, oh, that, you know, that's summer of 08 or something. Yep. Um, and so when it comes to food, for us, we want to build a place that could really allow you to go and experience those again. And one of the coolest features we have on Pepper is that you can upload your version of another recipe. So, for example, you know, I've had my Safta go and upload some of her recipes onto Pepper. And I can go then and share my version of it. So I kind of have a running log of all my attempts to go and hopefully, you know, fly close to the sun that is her brisket <laughs> and uh, and make something delicious. And so 
just fostering that intimate relationship and giving you a place to interact even more so that that's really what we want to do i mean it just goes back to that underlying theme like food is such an integral part of all of our lives and we just felt like nobody was really fostering that relationship and that's a relationship that extends to your not just like your family it's your friends yourself your partners anyone um and i definitely you know have i've, I've obviously experienced that in my past with you know food being such a, a focus in my, in the cultures that i grew up in amazing yeah i want to hit on that again real quick as far as like the travel and culture i mean i can't think of a better way to travel and experience other cultures than it than to eat the local food i know that that just is what many people think obviously is to kind of walk around the streets just immerse yourself in those areas but eating the local cuisine and local food is probably the best way to immerse yourself in a different location we actually just went to italy um, two months ago now, and we are there for 12 days. And the number one thing we wanted to do was find local cuisine from just restaurants that people eat at that live there. And it was just such an amazing experience. I will never forget that. And one of the nice, your app kind of reminds me of one of the nights we had dinner uh, with this woman who cooked for us and like 12 other people. Did you ever hear of eat with, have you ever heard of that? I'm not sure. Platform. It's like a, in a weird comparison, it's almost like an Airbnb for food. So we were in Rome and this woman who has lived there her whole life, her and her children cooked for us. And like I said, 10 other people were from out of town for that night and she made her recipes and God, I wish I had those recipes because they were so delicious. And I feel like an app like yours opens the doors for different, different cultures and people to share experiences like that. And I do know like one of the things that whenever we get home from wherever we are, like, oh, that was delicious. I wish we could make that at home. That's like one of the first things we say as soon as we get into the door and we're getting ready to make dinner the next night is we're sad we don't have that food. So I can imagine, correct me if I'm wrong, have you heard stories about that, how people are now able to bring those amazing experiences into their home? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, people travel the world and then get inspired. And it's like, how can I go and make it myself? So, you know, for example, I traveled to Asia with my friends after graduation. And I remember I came home and I made a shutterfly for my family, you know, to say like, thank you. Um, it was like my big, you know, post-grad gift. And I showed my dad and I remember him just being like, did you only eat? <laughs> like, what am I looking at? <laughs> and he's right. Like I ended up going through the book. I'm like, this is mostly food, but that is how you experience a place. You know, I can't, you know, talk about all the walking around and interacting with locals that we did. I had pictures of it, but you know, really what I have and what's the most aesthetically pleasing is like the beautiful sushi or mm -hmm. the meals that I shared with my friends or, you know, the birthday dinner we had where we literally, you know, in, in uh, Thailand, it was like $25 total for five of us to eat more than you ever could have imagined. And living here in New York city to think about that puts the biggest right. smile on my face. <laughs> and, you know, on the way home from Asia, I stopped in Barcelona where I studied and as you're talking, I'm thinking about it. And really when I pinned down, like I had a one day layover in Barcelona, all I did was 
take the train to the Sagrada Familia, which is where my apartment was, eat the paella that I always used to eat right outside of it, walk all the way down the Passage de Gracia, down Las Ramblas. I would end up in the Gothic Quarter, went to my favorite Asian dim sum place. It's called Mosquito. Walked through the Gothic Quarter and then ended up at Boda B, which is the famous sandwich place, grabbed that to go and took it back to the airport. So now I'm thinking about it. I literally just did a food crawl through Barcelona, but that's me experiencing and bringing back my abroad experience. And so definitely see a lot of inspiration coming from cultures around the world um, within Pepper. But I would also say that, you know, not everyone is as fortunate. Like I understand that I am extremely fortunate to have the experience I experiences that I have had traveling the world and to, and to experience those cultures. Um, but for a lot of people, they can't, right? Like they're here in the United States or on the other side of the world and they're not coming, you know, here or we're not going there. And we wanted to still bring those people together and we want to give them a place that, you know, hey, I want to make Pad CU, but I don't know what it should look like or taste like because I have not had authentic Pad CU like in the markets, uh, you know, in Phuket. Um, but I still want to try it. And so what you can do is go on Pepper and you can go and see, you know, certified chefs cooking out of uh, Thailand and, and posting, you know, delicious Pat CU recipes. And that's just a small microcosm for everything that you can do here. It's basically bringing people together around the world, bring them together around something that we both know, food, right? Yeah. Like we stayed in Singapore and we remember we showed up our, it was our first night in Asia and we went to a restaurant in Chinatown at literally 1 a.m. And we show up, and we're trying to speak to order, and there's a huge language barrier. Finally, we're looking at the menu, and it's just pictures, and we point to the dumplings. We're like, these, please. The guy like nods his head, brings it over. It's a huge plate of dumplings. We're smiling. We're laughing. The guy sits down with us. We're eating dumplings. And it's just like no one has actually shared a word, <laughs> but we're just eating food together, and now we have a relationship with this person. Um, and I think that's that's really what we're trying to foster. It's it's those relationships that you have with others and with yourself solely around food on Pepper. And whether it's cultures from around the world or from your neighbor, that that's really what we're doing. Awesome. Yeah. I mean, this like I said, this podcast is the pursuit of happiness and food is based around a lot of people's happiness for sure. I also want to get your journey as well, like being an entrepreneur and creating this. Like I know you kind of told me where the where the story came from, but like, what was the process of getting this off the ground and creating your own business? So like I mentioned earlier, we started in the pandemic where my co-founder and I, Matt, um, we began kind of hypothesizing around this idea of socializing around food and just being like, why not us? Like, why don't we have a place to share? Like I've cooked before. I make quesadillas, fried rice, omelets. Like I want to share what I'm doing. And having that vision resonate with a lot of people around us. So next thing we knew, we basically reached out to a lot of family friends, you know, who knew how to build an app and ended up being a friend, a brother of our friend who had built one before, set us up with someone, got a first version out. Then, you know, you work on basically bringing people in together that can kind of help align your vision and move it forward, raise as little money as we, as as little money as we could, but that was also as much money as we could at the time um, to basically get it off in the ground. You know, we're first time founders. 
uh, you know, don't have the experience and have to basically be as lean as possible. Still, you know, we're fortunate enough to put together just a little bit to get a, to get it to the app store. Um, and then it was just, you know, guerrilla marketing. Like mm-hmm. it was boots on the ground. We're literally going to push this thing as far as we can until like it starts to push itself. I really think of it, if I'm going to have to pick an analogy, it'd be like a snowball where it's like, you know, imagine a snowball like rolling down a mountain, right? Like it picks up more and more snow, more and more snow. It becomes this huge thing until it's Facebook. But in order to actually get that first snowball, you have to, you know, pack a little snow together. You got to make a ball. You got to maybe roll a little bit, give it a little nudge. And that's what it takes to get a company up and running. And so for us, that looked like hosting giveaways, hosting competitions. Matt and myself actually, and some other of our, our team, of our team members, we stood outside the Trader Joe's in our area and handed out recipe cards for Trader Joe's uh, recipes using all Trader Joe's ingredients. They were actually meatballs. And basically just saying like, here you go. And on it was a QR code to download Pepper. And so for us, you know, we were fortunate to have a very little amount of funding, nothing, I, I barely would even call it a friends and family. Um, but outside of that, we just had our, 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 our two hands mm. and um, really just willed this community into existence. It's, we want to use it, right? Like we built it because it didn't exist and we wanted it. And so um, one thing led to the next. And by the time the show came around, we had 100,000 downloads. That's awesome. Yeah, all the reviews are, you got five-star reviews too, which is incredible. Uh, what if someone has an idea for an app, but let's say they're not very tech savvy, where would you tell them to start? So you don't have to be tech savvy to build an app. Let me first say that. Um, there's so much around us that can help you to get there. Personally, I think that you should try to work with someone who has a tech background. Um, Don't go and spend money to build it until you have an idea of what you want. I personally think the number one thing that I would do if I want to build an app is I would go to Figma. So for anyone who doesn't know, Figma is like the Photoshop of wireframes and designs. And what you can do on Figma, which still blows my mind every time I do it, is you can build out, you know, a couple cool pages. And then you can do something called prototyping, which actually allows you to make those buttons clickable. So when we have a new feature, what I'll do is I'll design it in Figma on my computer. And then I will do something called mirroring. And then it shows up on my phone. And all you need is the Figma app to do it. It's so intuitive. And you just click where you want. And if I were to do it again, I would build out a Figma design and play with it and say, like, could I use this? Like, mm. Is this something that feels comfortable in my hand? Because the amount of iterations we had to go through to get to where we are today that could have been solved with just, you know, us taking more time being like, all right, this is what we wanted to do, um, you know, could have saved a, a, a lot of time for all of us and resources. So. Um, I think to get started, like you can go a lot farther without building a single thing. I was in a, a conference earlier and, you know, the individual speaking was basically just saying like, there are two good times to pitch for two investors. And that's when you have nothing or when you have something that's really going really well. Mm-hmm. 
Now, the latter one obviously speaks for itself. But when you have nothing, what you can do is pitch a vision, right? You can say, we're going to be the next greatest thing. And if someone says, well, show me that people are loving your app, I could say, I don't have anyone on it. You know, it's a vision. Mm -hmm. And you're going to have two types of investors who are like, well, I want to see confirmation that can work. And you can have someone be like, all right, well, let me see it. Now, let's say you build the wrong product or you build a product that isn't as good as you want it to be. And you go to the same person and pitch that vision and they go, oh, show me the data saying that you have the best, you know, engagement and that your community wants what you, what you have. And you show them the data and it's not right. You're like, well, I don't think I believe you anymore because your community's <laughs> not working. And so having no app can actually be a positive for you. Having no community can actually be an advantage to you. And so, um, you know, you never know, you never know what's going to happen, but it's, it's really all about the story you're going to tell. Yeah, I, I actually see what you're saying now that you explained it that way. <clears throat> because if you have an app and you don't have any engagement, that makes it look worse than just having a vision that, that perhaps someone can help you bring to life. Uh, you explained a lesson by using Figma. Is there another lesson or something that you would do again if you had the opportunity that would that's a like a big learning lesson? A lesson that I would like to do again for Pepper. Yeah, like something along the building a business process. They were like, oh, I wish I knew that in the beginning. You know, I think uh, the short answer would be I wish that I knew how to simplify an onboarding process. <laughs> um, <laughs> but I think that on a high level, really what it comes down to is just quick. Like you got to do things quick. And I don't mean cut a million corners. I mean break down a problem into literally the smallest possible thing it can be and test that hmm. don't spend three months on this big vision just to say oh i think it worked break it down to as many pieces until you could say is this the best way we could do it is this the best way is this the best way really and this is something that we talk about a lot right now because we're trying to really get it right is getting down the process of basically prioritizing updates, pushing updates, measuring updates. Now, if you can get that process down to as little time as possible, you're doing something right. And even just to get to the app store, you know, obviously it took us time. So if I were to do it again, I would basically simplify everything. Less is more. And that's a quote from Gordon to myself on the show. And I literally will write that everywhere. Um, and just, you know, don't be afraid to fail. Like you're going to do things wrong a lot of times, but ultimately if you build something half decent, like your users will guide you to where the greener pastures are. That's excellent advice, especially breaking the problem down into small little bits. I definitely appreciate that. Um, as you're talking here, I see the pepper sign behind you. Um, I got to ask you, why pepper? Why pepper of all the food groups or anything you could have named it? Why pepper? Why the name pepper? It's a uh, several iterations. So first and foremost, we wanted it to be two syllables. The idea was that, you know, every pretty much every major social media platform and even tech platform is two syllables. So they probably spent time, you know, and money understanding why that's the right thing to do. So let's just piggyback off of it. <laughs> um, you know, even like, so like Facebook, Snapchat, Google, right? Twitter, um, 
Instagram, people are like Insta, right? Like yeah. there's just, for some reason, people want it to be two syllables. It's like a dog name. So we wanted to do that. I personally love punny names and I really want it to be punny. And I think that might've been my downfall in the show, but I came up with the name Toothpick, P-I-C. And I liked that because I liked that it was like picture, like a toothpick, right? Um, and I also like that it, it covered a wide range of foods, right? So like I could have a toothpick going into a watermelon at a barbecue or going into a sandwich, right? And I could also throw a toothpick with an olive into a martini. Hmm. And I like that. It covers everything. We're here for everything. But I got vetoed by pretty much every single person I spoke to <laughs> saying like, I I'm thinking of teeth now. And it, 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 I have a gross image in my head. And I'm like, uh, all right, you know what? If enough people are saying it, I'm, they're probably right. Ultimately, we were between a couple. Um, Simmer was one of them. Voila was one of them. But we went with Pepper. And I, I pulled Matt, my co-founder, over and just said, you know, listen, Matt. I like pepper because yeah, it's two syllables. It's, you know, it sounds good. Um, it doesn't have any meaning, but that's okay. I ultimately like it because it's a strong word. It's a basic spice in every food that we cook. It sounds strong. It's like three P's, two E's, one R. And on top of that, it's a part of every single person in the world's dictionary already. And I think pepper is the only word that we've come up with strong enough to support the magnitude of what I feel like we're building. I think it's got to be pepper. And we know we haven't looked back since. That's awesome. I love getting the backstory. I'm somebody that does design and marketing. So, and, and logo creation. I love how clean your logo is, by the way. Love the font. Good choice. I don't know who chose that, but. <laughs> I oh, thanks so much, Ryan. Yeah, I mean, even getting involved in pepper, we got asked a million times. Someone would be like, oh, you're, you're never going to be able to trademark it. Like you can't own it. And it was just like, you know what, that's like tomorrow's problem. And then when it finally became tomorrow, it was like, we're going to figure this out. And I remember we applied, we, we, were, we, we were under the name Pepper the app for a while. And we applied for Pepper. And there was another individual who had it for like, I don't know whose IP attorney he had, but it was like the, the most vague description of all times. It was like the all-encompassing trademark for Pepper for just, it was, the description was social networking services. And I remember looking it up and being like, this has nothing to do with what we're doing. Like it's event-based. Like it doesn't have anything to do with food. So I finally, you know, I'd look, I'd look at that forever. You know, he was extending the deadline for years on end, you know, this whole thing. And then finally one day I get a call from the IP, the, the trademark representative, like of the USPTO calling me because I had become friendly with her because I would call her all the time being like, you know, hey, when are we going to get this thing? And she basically was just like, Jake, I want you to know that he just pulled his request. And, you know, you guys are now in line to get Pepper for all the classes you applied. And wow. it was like, oh, my God, this is, you know, the best moment of all time. He basically did it. He never used it. He just kept he just kept holding on to it for a future use. But when it comes to a trademark, you have to basically like show, you know, use in commerce and, and he didn't have it. And so. It was uh, it was a match made in heaven. It's a, it's a perfect name for us. That's amazing. So you just brought up trademarking. I want to hit on that for just a moment. I know everyone can kind of Google trademarking. And if you don't mind going through it, kind of like your process of the process and the importance 
of trademarking a product. So who should or who shouldn't do it? And like, what, what are the steps? Like quickly, you don't have to spend like an hour telling me, but yeah. I'm curious. So trademarking is a difficult process. And to be frank, like it is not one that I'm an expert in by any means, but I do have four trademarks under my belt. And those are trademarks that I applied for myself. Um, I would suggest getting a trademark. First of all, I think, I think, you know, the way that you should go about things is obviously depending on the stage of your company, but like you want to get your trademarks, you want to get your URLs. That's probably the first thing you do. You want to get your social media accounts. You want to try to consolidate it into one place. And so for us, we decided to get the trademark. Finally, when we settled on a name, it was like, this is definitely what we want. And this is the logo we definitely want. Like, let's go grab it. Now, if we had money, I would go build an IP tree and I'd get as many different iterations as we could, but I didn't. And trademarks cost money. They could be, you know, $1,000 to $5,000, depending on who you work with and how many classes you're applying for. And ultimately, you just need to, you know, prove that it is unique to you. and need to apply for the appropriate classes. So, you know, we own it in in mobile networking and food services. And we were able to prove that, you know, we are are associated with our our name, our logo, our slogan, stuff like that. Um, I definitely think it's something that you should deal with sooner rather than later, because let's say, you know, you go blow up as Pepper and then you go to trademark it and and you don't own it. People are gonna be like, well, you know, what's gonna happen? I remember I had to fill out so much for for the Gordon show to acknowledge that like I had that trademark so that they wouldn't have any IP issues. Um, for us also like, you know, to anyone listening, if this resonates, I remember I got on the phone with an IP attorney and I was just like, I want to own the word pepper. And he basically suggested to me this, listen, Jake, you can, you know, kick and scream as much as you want, but until something happens with that other one that obviously we know ended up falling through, you're not going to get it. But I'm seeing a trend here, right? Your Instagram is Pepper the app. Your Twitter is Pepper the app. Your website is Pepper the app. So your email is Pepper the app. It's a quirky, funky combination of words. And I'm seeing that you own it everywhere on every single platform. Why don't you just own it everywhere in a trademark as well? And that day I woke up and filed for Pepper the app. And that's why, you know, we, we owned the trademark for Pepper the app for a while and ultimately we're fortunate enough to also own Pepper. But that is why we originally started mm. as, you know, the, the full three words rather than just one. And so if that means anything, like think about what you can own. Like you don't want to confuse, you don't want to confuse your, your users or potential corresponders. Like my email used to be Jake at Pepper app co. And he <laughs> said to me, he was like, you know, it was, the, it was, it was a social network moment. It was like Sean Parker saying, drop the, the right. And, uh, Eduardo's like, that's the best thing that he added to Facebook in the movie. That's the moment. It's this IP attorney that I met for 15 minutes who just said, first own what you can. And you already own pepper the app everywhere. And two, nobody or he said, a lot of people make mistakes with you not having a.com. So I just went in that night without even telling my co-founder, I bought pepper, the app.com. Awesome. I I love getting the backstories, how things are created, why they're created, why decisions are being made. And, you know, for somebody that's kind of like dabbled in like my own business and entrepreneurship, I know a lot of people really want to do that. They just don't know where to start. 
So I know the information that you share is extremely valuable. So thank you for sharing your journey, things you've learned and, and giving some great advice along the way. I would say the final question for me is like, if you kind of zoom out a little bit and I, I'm sure you know this, like you created a community where people engage and share. And actually it's from like a really positive perspective. A lot of social media is not great. <laughs> so how does it feel to be a founder of a really solid and fun and positive community of people? You know, Ryan, I would say that there are good days and bad days. And there are days that are, most days are usually a combination of both. There are some amazing, amazing moments where you have people saying like, you know, I can't live without this. I love Pepper so much. You built something so special. Like I go out and send swag almost every every week at this point to users who have taken time to talk to me about their experience. Um, the other day, our sign-in method broke. And although it was horrible because I was scrambling to fix it, the amount of end users were getting pissed. Mm. But it was the fact that the users were getting pissed that to me was like, did, did we find product market fit? Like, what, like, what just happened here? You know, if people are this mad about not getting into their accounts, like, whoa, we've got something pretty special. Mm. And I got a bunch of really nice messages being like, thank you for being so responsive and thank you for helping me because I love your platform. And that was amazing. But then also, of course, there's the other side and there's like, and there's a part of it that's imposter syndrome where it's just like, I'm not anything. My platform's not anything. And for, you know, a lot of, a lot of things like we're not. Um, but I'm really trying to just acknowledge that, you know, there's a time and place for everything. And I'm really proud of where we've gotten to and what we've built. And there's always gonna be people ahead of us. And there's always gonna be people behind us, but that's okay. And as long as we just keep building and keep improving people's experiences with food and cooking and their kitchens, then I hope that I got to keep waking up to DMS of people, you know, being excited to use the platform and even maybe being pissed at me for not being able to lock in here and there. Um, it's an unbelievably rewarding and fulfilling experience and I'm so grateful for it. Yeah, that's awesome. Um, you brought up a term that I've used many times in this podcast, imposter syndrome, something that everybody deals with once or twice or whatever, how many times in their lifetime. So somebody as successful in you and your app just admitted you have imposter syndrome. Um, how do you handle that? How do you deal with imposter syndrome for yourself? I don't think there's an end-all be-all solution and I think it ultimately kind of has to do with the wave of where you are in your experience um, but I think for me one of the best ways for me to center myself and I think for for myself specifically it's about like getting me excited and motivated about what we're up to still is is getting together with the team you know we hold bi-weekly calls to just sit together and talk about what we're doing and just open lines of communication and just to hear what our incredible team members are doing, um, whether it be, you know, incredible product design or, or amazing marketing opportunities or hosting an, an insane rooftop dinner with some of the best chefs around the country and some of the most amazing influencers here in New York attending, um, just to excite each other about what you're doing and to be like, whoa, we can do that. Like we have the means to do that because sometimes you can, you know, look at your area of focus under such a microscope. I think that's a way that I, that I can 
get away from it and also get away from the defeating feeling of like, oh, we're nothing, you know, we're failing. Um, I think you really got to surround yourself and, and enjoy the experience with others. And that's why I also think, you know, founding a company is really hard. And I think being a solopreneur is a very difficult experience. I also think being a co-founder is a difficult experience because you have to foster that relationship. But I'm very happy that I have not just a co-founder, but, you know, such a positive uh, co-founder in, in Matt, um, who's a childhood best friend of mine, went to camp together, studied actually abroad in Barcelona together, had that Boda B sandwich plenty of times, um, sitting next to each other. Just to have that person to lean on when our, when times are tough, to say, like, listen, man, I I, you know, I need, I need that pick me up right now. Like, Hey, I need, like, let's talk about what you're doing. Let's talk about what's exciting. Um, at the end of the day, I don't think that imposter syndrome goes away. Like I know I'm very early on in my journey, but speaking to people that are much farther along, they still talk about it. So I'm kind of just trying to get used to it. It's true. Like I said, I've had this conversation with many people on this podcast, all different areas of success, some, worldwide known so not we all deal with imposter syndrome um another question i had for you that i kind of want to touch on real quick is you got into business with a friend do you have any advice for people that are looking to get into business with a friend because i know that can probably be a tricky area for some people it is tricky it's not easy and matt's also my one of my roommates <laughs> so i see him <laughs> a lot um first of all it's not going to work with everyone and I have plenty of friends that I would not be able to work with. But that being said, the ceiling is a lot higher, even if the floor is lower. Now, God forbid, I, you know, I, my relationship with Matt is a lot more important than my company. Um, and I think we're both on that same page. But when we succeed, you know, you look at each other, give each other a high five. It's just like, oh my God, I can't believe the life we're living. Mm. And that's a really special feeling. Now, in in actually dealing with the relationship, I think something that Matt and I are good about is, and we literally open the conversation, we'll approach the other person. It's like, we need to have a hard conversation because we always talk about it, you, like hard conversations are good. And so, you know, we'll grab each other. It's just like, listen, we got to talk openly. And I think Matt's better about it. My, I'm a little bit, you know, more tougher minded, but like we're both fairly open-minded to hearing it hmm. and to being like, okay, we need to do this. And, you know, whether it be blowing up a pitch deck or whether it be refining a, refining the pitch or whether it be saying the product needs fixing or whether it says the marketing flyer looks bad, you know, or like, hey, I need you to be doing this more. I need you to focus on this. Like, you just have to be brutally honest. Like, don't harbor any resentment. Just speak openly. Those hard conversations will guide you, I think, in any relationship, but especially working with a friend. And then you got to make sure you separate it. You know, I have moments where, I'm playing Matt in an afternoon tennis match and I want to comment something about the business or ask him something. And I'll just be like, no, like that's not for right now. Like I'll talk about it when we get home, when we're in quote unquote, the office, you know, mm -hmm. let's, let's make sure that our relationship isn't just work. Hmm. Yeah, I, do. I can appreciate that. <clears throat> Thanks for sharing that. Cause growing up, I've done business opportunities with friends or whatever it's always falling apart and yeah it does test your relationship a little bit sometimes it's not worth it so really cool to get that perspective from somebody that's actually made it work with one of their best friends as as well um so i can ask you what's next for you what's next for pepper what's what's on tap what is next for pepper so I can give you a bunch of updates that we have coming out and, and I will give you a bunch of updates. <laughs> you might as well. I'm, 
because I'm super excited about it. But I just want to say that ultimately what we are building is an ecosystem to connect consumers, creators, and brands. And everything we do is supporting those relationships. And so these are the updates we have coming out. There will be updates in between. There will be updates before and there will be updates after. But ultimately, what we are doing is connecting those three groups, the creator, the consumer and the brand. Specifically, we are very excited about releasing videos in our next update. It is a huge update for us. We've been waiting for it for quite a while, but we want to make sure we got it right for all of you. And so it will be curated to cooking. You'll be able to click through videos. You'll be able to repeat steps. You'll be able to look at ingredients instructions, anything you need to actually cook a recipe, you will have in a pepper recipe video. Awesome. Beyond that, we'll also be adding organized folders that we call cookbooks so that you can save organized folders of recipes to your profile and actually work your way through those cookbooks. And then beyond that, we're going to be just really helping creators monetize and professionalize their brands with the partnerships and networks that we have. Um, and you know, we have a couple more exciting updates, but maybe I'll leave those uh, a little bit more mysterious. That's awesome. Yeah. The video thing's awesome. I mean, if I'm somebody who's super visual, so if I can see how someone's adding ingredients and how they're doing it, what they're doing it that, for me, for me, that's super helpful, especially like when I'm in the kitchen, actually in the process, sometimes I don't always, I can't always just peek over and start reading a, a, a paragraph or whatever, but to actually see someone do it, that's huge. Dude, this yeah. is awesome, man. This is really awesome. I'm really, I'm genuinely excited for you and the future of this app. I think it's absolutely wonderful. Like I said, I, I'm all about this idea. I've, I've always enjoyed food, but I've really learned about the importance of cooking and how cooking can bring people together a lot more recently. So I applaud you and everything you've, you've got going on here for Pepper. And it sounds like the future is limitless. So I applaud you, man. Thank you so much for coming on and sharing your story and the story of the app. And I'm really excited for you. So thank you so much. Thanks so much for having me, Ryan. I really appreciate it. I'm really grateful that Brian connected us. Me too. Uh, and, I, and I'm so appreciative that I could share my story here with you and, and everyone listening. Awesome. All right, Jake. Thank you so much. And we'll talk soon, okay? Have a good one, Ryan. Me too. Special thank you to Jake for joining me on this episode. I hope you enjoyed that episode. As I said in the beginning, not every day you get the opportunity to speak to a co-founder and CEO of such a successful app. So I'm always interested to see how people pursue their passions and become successful. And I love the idea of it being centered around food and sharing recipes around the world. I think that's just brilliant. So please share this episode. Sharing is caring. I really appreciate it. Also subscribe leave a review. I'm also on YouTube as well. So please subscribe on YouTube and you can watch all of my episodes on there as well. And you can also follow me on Instagram at the pursuit of happiness podcast. I will catch you all next time on the next episode.